Welcome to the My Faith Boats podcast. I'm Megan West. On this week's episode, we talk with Pastor Todd Wagner, Senior Pastor at Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas, which has become one of the largest and fastest growing churches in the United States today. Under Todd's leadership, Watermark Church has been recognized as one of the top two best places to work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and the church has operated debt-free since its inception. Todd and I talked about a number of topics, including the unique way Watermark is serving the community through healthcare, as well as why Christians and politics should be intertwined. Conversations with Todd are always intriguing because he has such a deep knowledge of the Bible and a firm grasp on how to engage the culture today as Christians. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as we did. Pastor Todd Wagner here at the beautiful Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. But it's not just beautiful on the outside. What's happening here at Watermark is beautiful because you're being the body of Christ. So talk a little bit about Watermark Church and the impact that you're having right here in Dallas. Yeah, well, I hope it is. You know, when people do say, hey, your church is beautiful, you know, I almost always say, hey, well, first of all, it's not my church, right? But I know what people mean. And then secondly, um, I, I usually say when people say your church is beautiful, who'd you meet, hmm. right? Because uh, this is a facility that we're grateful to steward. But man, what God's doing here is something beautiful in his people. Uh, it's it's uh, funny. I never thought I would be a pastor, okay. But if you're a Christian and you don't think you're going to be a pastor, you're not a fully informed Christian yet. We're a kingdom of priests, and so what I happen to be is just someone who, by the kindness of God, knows who Jesus is, follows Him here uh, in Dallas, and have gathered other friends around me who want to um, pursue the life that God intended, which is um, it, it, it's just transform life that seeks the welfare of the city that we're in, where we uh, care for one another and shepherd one another and encourage one another. And so, yeah, it's happening here. I, I don't ever think about what we do here on our large gathering times as, as the church. I think about what folks like you are doing, Megan. I mean, we don't, we're, not, we're both in Dallas, not, the same, not, not a part of the same local body, but I know you're doing the exact same thing. It's why you do My Faith Votes, right? Because we're trying to go, my faith has an effect on me and it, uh, it affects every area of my life, in, including how I vote. And so what the sad thing is, is there's so many people who go to church, right, who don't follow Jesus and who don't really understand what it means to be, you know, a Christ follower. And that's why you see so many churches that are not, frankly, beautiful places. They're almost a mystery to me. Like, why do those people keep going back to that very average weekly meeting of largely bored adults that don't do very much? So if that's, if that's what you view the church is, it doesn't need to be. It, 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 and, and I'm just going to be honest, it's what mine was. Because I was a part of a very cultural um, Christian community, which wasn't Christian at all, growing up. And I left that because it wasn't inspiring and it wasn't making a difference where it was. But by the kindness of God, when I really understood who Jesus was, what God intended for me was not to attend a meeting, but to... Um, to know him, and then honestly, to tend to the business that he wants his servants to tend to, it's been the most amazing thing that uh, I've ever seen and experienced and been privileged to do. And people are living their faith, not just studying yeah. it or thinking about it, but they're actually going into the community, and your church is a, a great witness for that. Something you do here is a health care center. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that because I think, especially in our culture today, we think of government as the solution to everything. Yeah but it's the church that needs to be the solution. Yeah. So how are you doing that and living that out right here in Dallas? Well, so government is to exist according to the scripture for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Okay, that's, that's what government is supposed to do. Now, if you want your government to do more, 
that's fine. But uh, you're going to have to also have some of the consequences of having uh, a bigger government that makes more laws, has more bureaucracy, and controls more of your life. And, you know, Jesus wants us to be free, okay? And he wants us, as we govern together, to uh, not call evil good and good evil. And so we're going to get more to that in just a moment. But bottom line is, you're right. A lot of the things that government's doing, uh, government shouldn't have to do if we, as God's people, ought to be about it. So you asked about the clinic. The clinic is just one of many things that we do here. We're, we're constantly just encouraging people to, to um, discover, develop, and then deploy their gifts. Mm -hmm. And so we have a number of folks here in the medical community. And um, one of the most under-resourced parts of our entire state is about three miles from us. And so uh, some people in the medical profession uh, that are part of the body, that are believers here in Dallas, you know, just said, hey, why don't we try and figure out how to serve those folks over there? And so just a collaboration of doctors and, and um, nurses and leaders got together. And yeah, we have this thing called the Watermark uh, Clinic, which I think is the largest um, non-insurance funded, I think, health clinic I heard in the country. I think they said that over $10 million worth of uh, social and human services have we've saved the city of Dallas over the last uh, you know, period of time, very short period of time. And uh, the thing I love is that every single person who comes in there, you know, is welcome, is loved. You know, we just say, hey, this is who we are. This is why we're doing this. But you don't have to agree with us. Yeah. You just, but in Jesus' name, let's care for you, right? Let's care for your physical needs. And let's tell you about uh, as much about your spiritual need, which is, you know, of even greater importance if you want. But you don't have to agree with that. But this is who we are and how can we serve you? So that happens not just there, but we've got folks that are doing that in the education arena. We've got folks that are doing that in, uh, in, in justice areas. We've, we worked with our district attorney here in Dallas to do um, one of the largest uh, expungements of record of people that are being oppressed by, uh, they've maybe been no-billed or they've, they've got something on their record that they've served you know, their time, but they can't get jobs because some of these things are haunting them. And so we clear and consistent with all state laws, their record as is provided for, if they just knew how to do it and had lawyers that would help them so that they can get back in society and be productive contributors. So I love when I see God's people do those kind of things to serve other people. And then again, we always, we don't do random acts of kindness, right? right? Believers don't do anything random, right. but whatever we do, we do heartily under the Lord and, uh, and, and for the good of others. Again, not just because they agree with us, but because it's the right thing to do. Well, to someone who's like, well, you've got this huge church and you're in a big city, so you have all these resources. I'm in a small church in a small town community. How do we do the same things? I, I don't have the resources. What do you say to that? I'd say just do what you can, right? You know, um, <laughs> we, we were even kind of teasing a little bit before we got started just about the story of that kid with five loaves and two fish. Just give it to the Lord and you'll be surprised what he does with it, Absolutely. right? And so faithfulness, um, uh, I would, I would point you to the parable of the talents, okay, where, and the parable of the meanness, because those are two different stories where Jesus is talking about our responsibility of stewardship. And so in those two stories, in one story, he gave one guy five, one guy 10, and one guy one, okay, and they were all faithful with their different allotment except one. But what you'll see is even though they've been given different things, 10 talents, five talents, and one, their reward was the same. Okay, whereas in the parable of the Minas, where everybody was given the exact same amount and some were faithful and some weren't, the reward was different. So I would say that your opportunity to be as fully rewarded and used and glorifying to God is the same as mine, 
with whatever talent, resource, opportunity, experience that you have. And so, um, you know, I would say don't try and do something great for God. I would just try and serve the God that has done so many great things for you. Be faithful with what you've got. The reward of uh, faithful service is the opportunity for more service. But just start simply and simply start. That's what I'd say to them. So to a world in a culture around us that is skeptical of the church, who even says the church is oppressive, how can we be faithful as Christians to be witnesses and to show the importance of having faith in this country? Yeah. Well, when someone says to me, hey man, the church is oppressive, I don't want to argue with them. I want to listen and I want to understand, right? The fool does not delight in understanding, the scripture says, but only in revealing his own mind. So, so many people, you know, like in fact, somebody says this to me sometimes, because well, I don't much believe in God. And I, I usually say, well, tell me what kind of God you don't much believe in. And I probably don't believe in him either, mm -hmm. right? Describe God to me. So I, I would say to some people, hey, describe that oppressive church. And, and I might even agree with them. The church they're describing is oppressive. But when they look at Jesus' church, it's amazing. You don't ever hear people say, I don't like your oppressive Jesus. No one says that. Okay, everybody loves Jesus. And uh, what I would just say is, hey, let's talk about what Jesus says the church should be. In fact, I tell folks, if you love, I mean, if you hate hypocrites and Jesus is your guy, nobody hated him more than him, mm -hmm. right? And he spoke out against them. So um, let me ask you, man, have you been hurt? How have you been oppressed by the church? What do you think the church is? Let's look together. Let me understand and let's, let's figure out how we can make it right. And that, that's what we really did here. I mean, I, you know, Watermark's just 20 years old with me and some friends. I can't believe it's 20 right now but but rather than kind of curse the darkness you know we can't we tried to light a candle uh, the lord just said well hey big boy why don't you give it a shot and so myself and a small group of friends just said let's do let's look at what the scripture says and let's try and and do that and i think when people see you doing that they don't think that's oppressive i think they go that's beautiful and that's our challenge is to um meet christ christ is not oppressive so let me kind of switch the, the framework to someone who says we deny the gospel if we get involved in politics. Mm. What do you think of a statement like that? Because <laughs> I've heard people say that and that it's hard yeah. to kind of frame that and look at our engagement as Christians within the world around us, yeah. particularly in politics. Yeah. Well, um, we're all victims of the world we grew up in. And if you've grown up in this country in the last 50 years, you've heard about the phrase, the separation of church and state, right? And so church ought to stay out of government. Well, that's not at all where that comment came from, right? Separation of church and state is not in our constitution. It, it, you know, maybe your educated listeners already know this, right? But it was written, it was, it was a letter written by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptists, which were a group of Baptists in the state of Connecticut who were concerned that the Congregationalist state that were in control and major seats of government were gonna make them adjust their faith so they could participate in the civic affairs of the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And Jefferson wrote them a letter and said, hey, you can be sure we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the Constitution, which says that government should make no law regarding the establishment of a religion or the free exercise thereof, that's called, you know, the Establishment Clause, that is in our Constitution. And, 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 and so Jefferson wrote to them and he basically just said, hey, we're not going to let government interfere with your faith. There is never, the separation of church and state was never to keep faith out of government. It was to keep government out of faith or church out of government. Okay, in fact, our founding fathers said the second you start to pull morality 
and religion out of the way we lead ourselves, we will not stand as a, a republic. So this gets to your question. We're in, a, we're in a world of hurt right now in our country. We're, we're divided. Um, there's the breakdown of the, the central uh, family unit, which makes a stable society. And that's not a government problem. That's a people problem. Okay, and, and, and people are the church's business. Yeah. And honestly, then a lot of what's happening is some of those people that have kind of rejected the basic morality that has caused human flourishing is then you start to put, to put some of those people in power and they're lashing out at some of the things that have hurt them and what that oppressive church that, they, that isn't Jesus' church at all. And, uh, and next thing you know, there's a snowball effect that's going on. So what I would just say to, to believers is politics is always downstream of culture, okay? Mm-hmm. And culture is, is our business, all right? Absolutely. I mean, again, I love words. So culture even comes from the, the root word Latin cult or cultus, which means to till or to worship, right? So when we say our cult, they worship the wrong thing. It's, where, it's even like the land, the word cultivate comes from. So when people till and work and cultivate a land, it's where they're tending, inhabiting, dwelling. It's where people live and exist. And so what we're really talking about when we talk about politics, okay, uh, which is, again, all right, the root word of politics is just the word for citizen, okay, is what are citizens going to act like? And, man, we ought to be the best of citizens. We ought to seek the welfare of the city that we're in. We ought to um, try and create environments that lead to human flourishing. So when Christians advocate when they when they step out and say we're not going to care about our world and our city it's not going to be pretty and it's amazing to me how many christians are intimidated by well church and state right what all the state is is a collection of the people who live there and the more people who live there with a sense of morality and love and care for others and human dignity the more that state is going to flourish so uh i i I will tell you, I mean, again, let's just even go further. Like, so, you know, when you talk about how to live with a prudent and shrewd, as a prudent and shrewd citizen, which is what a, a polis is in the, in the Latin word where we get politic from, it talks about citizenry. You know, um, citizens, we need to be polite, if you will, which is to do the right thing, which is the same root as like righteousness. So if we're not concerned about righteousness, what are we concerned about? Okay, learn, the scripture says, again, you know, do good, seek justice. And that's going to be executed through those that say this is good and those are evil and that punish evildoers and praise those who do right. So I don't even have a context for somebody who would say to me, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Okay, because, and the people will say, well, you can't legislate morality, right? Well, what is law except the decision about what is good and what is wrong. That's morality. So so many of these words that we hear a lot that have intimidated people into kind of um, just being uninvolved, we just need to walk them through it, help them think through, and they go, yeah, what am I thinking? So it's a change of perspective because we've been ingrained by culture that it should be separated and different. But as our friend Eric Metaxas talks about the golden triangle of freedom. Yep. Freedom requires virtue, virtue requires faith, and it goes around and around, and yep. faith is, should be the and center And Metaxas would want you to give Os Guinness credit yes, for that. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> you would. <laughs> so to your church, how do you encourage them to vote yeah. and to stand up and say, we need to participate right where we are? Sure, well listen, leadership is everything. It's everything, 
okay? And so um, God spends a lot of time in the scriptures talking about choosing your leader, okay? And so one of the things I always just encourage them to do, because again, most people have no problem thinking, well, if there was a, um, a perfect and good and kind and benevolent leader, I'd follow him. Well, hopefully that's why we're following Jesus, mm-hmm. right? A sovereign, benevolent dictator, that's really who God is. Thank goodness he's benevolent, that he has our best interests in mind. And so what I always tell people is, man, you got to figure out who rules your ruler, okay? And, um, and, and somebody who's going to want to um, do the best they can to not try and figure out according to uh, their own little limited finite wisdom what is right, but somebody who's humble and who's going to try and uh, order society in a way that the God who created us uh, said will lead to human flourishing. And so I just say, you've got to vote. And um, in a society where you know, God's going to hold governments accountable, we know that in Romans 13, he says that, I'm going to hold government accountable. In a society where we have the privilege of influencing who our rulers are, he's going to hold us accountable for who we put in those seats of power and government. So to not vote is, uh, is inexcusable before a God who says, you ought to be influencing this in every way that you can. And so I tell them to be educated voters, uh, not put their hope in a party. Um, politics and politicians are not our savior. Okay, but they're not our sworn enemy either. They are means to an end. And, um, and so it's up to us to influence those who are gonna make an impact on so many others. You have to be engaged. Absolutely, and as we say, you gotta begin pray, and think, and then vote. That's right. So. Yeah, so that's exactly right. That's, I mean, that's said beautifully. I tell folks all the time that, you know, I wouldn't get discouraged. I would do the best you can to share about why you believe what you believe. I would, I would make disciples, right? And I would help other people understand the, the fruit of thinking this way. Uh, and then I would model for them faithful living. Yeah. And then I would not grow weary in doing good. And, and but you've gotta, you've gotta be able to be an individual that can say, hey, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We should absolutely look at God's word. A number of years ago, I did a series here called Declaration. I was going to do, I was going to call it Platform, kind of like, hey, this is what God wants you to, th- how He wants you to think about these issues, because the Bible's not silent on the issues that are affecting us, from the economy to border security to life issues to how you define marriage, all that different stuff. And I just shared with them from the scripture. Hey, God's declaring to us. You can go a different way if you want to. And like the scripture says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. So I, I, I know I don't want to march people towards death. So I just kind of walked them through and said, now listen, you can say you don't care, but you can never again say you do not know. So that series is available for folks to watch. But I think that's part of what we do. We educate ourselves, like you say. Mm-hmm. We prayerfully digest it to see if it's true. Just because somebody says it doesn't mean it's true. We compare it to the scripture see if it's so. And then we act. And we're not just merely hearers who delude ourselves, but we're doers of the word. And uh, the way we influence society, and one of the ways to influence society certainly is to influence those who get to rule over it. Absolutely. Well, Todd, we thank you so much for your leadership. And we love that you speak biblical truth to the issues of our day, but also just what the Bible says and being a faithful Christian and doing good right where we are. Well, I'm so. encouraged, Megan, by what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be with you. I'm glad that folks take time to listen to this stuff, to be encouraged and be reminded of the things that we got a chance mm-hmm. to talk about. And I pray that um, their fellowship and their friends or the folks that they're around do the exact same thing. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. You can learn more about My Faith Votes and join our mission at myfaithvotes.org.